This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. <laughs> this is Dan Baltic. And uh, sadly, we, we do not have Matt this week. He is off uh, fighting in Ukraine, fighting with our Russian brothers. And, um, you know, best of luck to him. We hope he returns. But um, in any case, we are uh, very honored to be joined by a very gifted and talented and uh, well-known on our side of Twitter um, poet, Steph. Steph is uh, known, uh, her handle on Twitter is Poetry Grifter. And, um, but uh, she, well, I mean, she'll tell you whether she is a, a grifter or not, but uh, her, her poetry is really very good. She has a lot of fans, uh, a lot of fans who are former New Right guests. So uh, I know Caleb, uh, Manny Marrero, even uh, the illustrious Delicious Tacos is a fan. Um, and uh, of course, I am a fan. Matt is a fan. And uh, Steph, she's published poems in Apocalypse Confidential, in Expat, in Maximus, in Punk Noir, yeah. and uh, in many... Um, you know, magazines, many illustrious sources. And uh, she also has a chapbook out, which came out, I'm, I believe, like almost a year ago or a while ago. Oh, called... It was earlier this year, yeah. Okay, yeah, called Name and Noun. Which by... was an old handle. I used to be at Name and Noun. Um, oh. And then I, I put out the book and I and then I, I changed it to Poetry Grifter. This is time to enter a new phase. A, uh, a vibe shift, as it were. Yes, exactly. So yeah, yeah. chapbook name and noun. It's mm -hmm. put out by Selkuth. Maybe I'm pronouncing yeah, it's that wrong. British Sel Press. Yeah, um, Selkuth Press. I'm I think they're going to do another run later this summer because um, you know they, they they did a very small run and um, it, it's out. It's it's out right now, but. Uh, That's like right. <laughs> I went to buy it before yeah. our episode yeah. here and it's, yeah, it's out. You can't buy a physical copy. Uh, Steph is one of the rare uh, writers who has sold out her. <laughs> so congrats to Steph. Well, so I've sold out in more ways than one as a, as a poetry grifter. <laughs> Well, I'm curious. It seems like you've not sold out. I mean, I think no, that's I what know. we're going to talk about. I think we'll you've like, yeah. Um, yeah. done the opposite. But um, yeah, so yeah. that's Thanks a little for, background. Oh yeah, no. Go Thanks ahead. for inviting me on this provocatively named podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. We, yeah. uh, we 
you know, we have some, we've had people from the more mainstream publishing industry, which uh-huh. is kind of uh, where you are. We've had Caleb mm-hmm. Caudell. We've had uh, Manny, Manny yeah. Marrero of Expat yeah. Press. We've had, you know, many, uh, you know, people, but it's, it's always great to have someone who, you know, really has her foot in the mainstream world because it's, um, it's interesting to talk about the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the two, the two publishing or the two arts worlds and then how they relate, how they uh, don't relate. And um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, maybe one of the interesting ways to get into uh, how um, you came to be here mm-hmm. is um, how I came to know you. Yeah. And so one day, delicious tacos, <laughs> we were uh, during our interview with tacos, mm-hmm. he, um, he said something to the effect of, I'm not sure if this is in the episode or not, but he said something like, um, yeah, are there any girls even listening to New Right? And I, you know, I thought in my mind, I maybe even said it on the pod. No, I don't think I said this on the pod, but in my mind, I was like, there's one, there's Steph. (laughs) And because Steph, you, you had DM'd me Mm-hmm. Um, early, relatively early into our run as, you know, new, right. Mm-hmm. As a fan. And we, you know, started a rapport from there. And you, know, frankly, I was uh, intrigued that we had a single female listener. I'm I assume sure have more female listeners. I, I mean, I assume, especially at that point, <laughs> that early point, I assume most of our listeners were like aut- autistic wignats. So, uh, you know, no, I mean, it's very nice to uh, have, uh, you know, um, someone. No, I'm I'm sure 70% are like um, femme fatale, female fed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, that might actually be true. About 70% are feds (laughs) pretending to be women. That's possible. (laughs) But uh, no, I I digress. So, yeah, no, I mean, like, how, how did you you know, come across, how did we come across your radar? Um, well, I, I follow a lot of, um, dodgy, (laughs) (laughs) I follow a lot of dodgy Twitter accounts, um, (laughs) you know, just to, um, just to, just for kicks. Um, (laughs) and I think the algorithm, uh, could tell that, that I would be into, uh, your podcast. So, oh, and, and I will say there, I I will say that there are many sort of um, indie lit adjacent uh, world um, podcasts, and and I've listened to a good sample of them. Um, and what I really appreciate about yours is that, um, like, you take the time to actually ask very thoughtful questions about craft, but you're not precious about it. Um, you know yeah well like crucially matt and i are we haven't been to mfa programs Mm, and we both like we are writers and Mm -hmm. i do take craft seriously but it's not like it's not like inside baseball for publishing Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like um i know what i like to read and i know like how i write and i'm interested in how other people write yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I think this is something that's very like accessible for, I'm not going to say normies, but like people who are not very uh, <laughs> into, you know, writing or literature, this is like a good pod for them. But it's also a good pod for people who are into 
writing and literature, I, I think. Um, no, I know. think so too, yeah. Thank you, Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so no, I'm very happy that you reached out and that gave me the opportunity to um, learn about you and learn about your poetry and um, learn about your story. And I think the, uh, and you know, obviously I enjoy your poetry quite a bit. And, and that is not um, a small compliment because frankly, a lot of modern poetry, like I'm into the Augustans, I'm into mm, the romantics, yeah. Yeah, sure. mm. uh, the, the modern stuff I read it, like the stuff that's like in the New Yorker and I'm like, this is garbage. I, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't, I think a lot of ridiculous. people feel that way. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, that's something we can talk about, but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there, there are a lot of people in sort of um, your sphere of <laughs> that are, you know, the last, the, the last poet they read was like, you know, William Blake. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But no, you're, I mean, this is to say that your poetry, I've mm-hmm. read it, obviously, and not just in preparation for the pod. Yeah. And it's, it's very good. And it's very like, you know, I, I don't think you follow a strict meter. You can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But- so, yeah. I mean, I, I do sometimes. It depends. Um, I So I, I do uh, do formal poetry, like at following sort of um, received or, or traditional forms um, occasionally, but it's not my primary thing. I do write primarily in, in free verse. Um, but obviously, if you're trained formally, uh, you develop a sort of intuition and ear um, so that you can sort of play with that and, 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 uh, and graph that into free verse. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, so like your, you know, your free verse is actually quite lyrical, mm-hmm. quite like as I'm reading your poems, the like lines kind of, they, um, you know, I... God, this sounds corny, but they kind of sing. They like sing yeah. out at you, and it's you know. That's good to hear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not a poetry head, but like you know, yeah. if, if more poetry is like not yours, then I self. should. Yeah, not not a poet self, but you know, yeah. maybe I could be. Uh, so poetry grifter is your handle, and mm-hmm. it's like it's a cool handle. I like it, and it. Um, but why don't you you tell me how how did that come about? How yeah. does one grift poetry? <laughs> anyways, anyways, let me let me teach you the ways. Um, no, so I um I always share this quote from Anne Sexton, who is sort of like my pole star um and stylistic role model, not like like personal life role model. Um, but uh you know, she she came to poetry relatively late. Um uh, for, you know, for, for, for a poet of her stature, you know, she, she came to it in her late twenties, um, didn't even sort of read poetry before then. Um, and then just like, you know, uh, just, just, just went for it. And that, that was my story as well. Um, I didn't really start reading or writing poetry until I was like, um, you know, 28 or 29. So it's, it's only been a few years. Um, and I still sort of am in shock that I'm sort of doing this now as my vocation. Um, 
and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I got into an MFA, like a funded MFA program that is paying me to be there um, and, and to write and, and to, to teach, um, which it, it's just like a shock to me that that was even a viable life path. Uh, <laughs> and I guess on some level, you know, I'm like, did I sort of pull the wool over everyone's eyes? It, you know, am I a grifter? Um, I mean, th this is something that we can talk about, but certainly there are, um, there, there are ways of sort of writing to contemporary tastes, uh, yeah. especially like contemporary, like MFA program tastes. And, and I think, you know, I probably did that, um, you know, um, and, 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 and was able to pull that off sort of successfully. Um, so, oh, so there's the grift. <laughs> you, you grifted your way into it with your, I, uh, I will, so yeah, I mean, that's like kind of like an insecurity, right? Like, did I, <laughs> into it? do I deserve to be here given that, you know, a lot of times I feel like I'm not as well read as my peers who, uh, you know, have bachelor's degrees in English and have been, um, reading poetry since like their late teens. Right. So I'm like a yeah. depth behind in some ways. Um, so, so I think th that is what I'm gesturing at with the word grifter, but, um, you know, there's also a sense in which like I am hustling for readership. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of people say, if you're a true artist or whatever, like, and you were thrown into like in isolation chamber, like Dragon Ball Z style, like you would still fucking do it, even if nobody was reading. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or 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 looking at your work at all. And I have to be honest, I don't think that I would, at least not at all to the same extent. Um, so so to some extent, I am also sort of um, hustling for readers. Um, yeah especially in, you know, 2022, when the vast majority of poetry readers are not, uh, like, not people like yourself, or not, not people sort of um, historically, you know, um, represented by the demographic in our side of Twitter, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so the, yeah, the grift, I mean, definitely, I think all artists, writers, to some extent, have to have that grift in them, because, yeah. like, you, you need to get readers. You need to find readers. And therein lies uh, salesmanship. Therein lies the, the grift, as it were. But I mean, it's not really a grift. Yeah. It's like it's like convincing people to read your stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I do agree that um, you need readers. Like mm -hmm. I, I wrote my novel, which uh, Nutcranker, my novel, which is coming out in, by Terror House in the fall. You should buy it. But um, yeah, that's a little plug for me there. But uh, moving on, I wrote my novel um, over three or four months and like no one was reading it but me essentially. And it's like, it's not, it's not quite that I think you need readers reading it like, but you need to know that you're writing it for readers. You need to know that it will eventually yeah. be read by people. You like, you need an audience in mind when you're writing, even if you're not going to, even if it won't reach that audience for years, yeah. but like writing is a, um, it's a relationship. It's a relationship between yeah. the writer and the reader. 
And if you were to truly like the, I, I think the idea like the artist exists in isolation. Well, like I, I suppose there is something to be said for artists who say like my relationship is between me and God and I write for God. And like, I, I can get that. I, you know, I consider myself a believer yeah. and I can, you know, understand writing for, for that relationship. But, um, you need someone you're writing for. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe there are a few people who can sort of just do it, um, you know, for God, but, uh, I, I think most of us do need <laughs> a relationship. Yeah. Corporeal <laughs> bodies. Dopamine hits. Um, yeah. I will say though, Dan, like fiction, I, 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 like I admire you guys because you're, you're right. Like you're toiling for a very long time without direct feedback um, from a readership, whereas like I'm at the point where, you know, I, if I put out like a poem, like I, I can sort of get a relatively quick um, feedback, you know, and, and, and validation. Yeah, no, that's nice. That's like, I mean, I think, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that this probably applies to poets as well. For, for me, part of the validation I get from writing is the relationship I build with myself. Like I'll be like, you know, when I was writing my novel or even the short stories I'm working on, like throughout the day, I'll be like in the head of the character and I'll be like, oh, wow, that's just, I didn't think he would do that. That's a, such a funny thing for him to do. And I'll be like, oh no, he, he'll get in trouble if he does that. And it's just kind of like you're stage managing these people who you've like grown to kind of, in, who are imaginary, of course, yeah. but you've grown to invest this kind of emotional energy into. So um, yeah, I mean, I think for poetry, probably to some extent, right? It's like, you know, the, the poem, you have a relationship, not just with the people who read the poem, but with the poem itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, I do want to talk more about this later, but it, especially one of, one of my sort of recent, uh, like the past half year or so, I would say, um, projects is writing persona poems. So writing from the perspective of oftentimes like um, historical or mythological figures, um, and yeah, and, and when you do that, you do have to sort of um, get into the mind of um, someone that isn't yourself, but is maybe like a facet of yourself. Um, so I, I, I do sort of sympathize with, yeah, with, with that phenomenon. Awesome. Yeah, no, that it's definitely, I'm the, I enjoy your persona poems and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very like getting into the mind of a character is something that's very kind of liberating and, you know, it expands your, you know, you're like emotional. Well, you're, you're, you're like an anonymous Shiva Inu. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, who tweets like 17 times a day. So <laughs> I do imagine that that's really fun. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess I suppose in a sense I, and this gets into stuff we'll talk about later, yeah. but uh, the author is a character. And the author is like, I do like, I chose at some point the name yeah. Dan Baltic and I'm like, hey, I'm like kind of free now. I'm kind of yeah. free to invent yeah. who Dan Baltic is. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, he's, he's a Shiba Inu, with a, <laughs> a red pill doge hat. Uh, I, 
I think it's like an Italian actual Doge hat, like a Doge of Italy. Oh, is hat. that what it is? Yes, I'm pretty sure. That was like my intent. Like I Googled like Shiba with Doge hat. I, I wonder, you know, that's, you're probably like the only person to ever have had that thought. And maybe someday, you know, sort of Elon Musk and Grimes style, you'll find someone else who made the exact same joke. It could be. <laughs> like it's, a Doge uh, with a Doge hat and... um. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. find the one with the pink Doge hat and <laughs> get married and, and father lots of like based babies. <laughs> lots of uh, well, in the Shiba Inu community, yeah. they're known as uh, potats, the uh, small little puppy Shiba Inu. So I bother oh, many potats. I think I've just become too gay for my listeners. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm still gay. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, so poetry grifting and that takes us to kind of like the life Mm -hmm. of the poet of the artist Mm -hmm. what does it take to succeed as an artist today and um the artist to succeed needs ability but that's a given you you need to be somewhat good at what you do you don't have to be the best Mm -hmm. but you do have to be good you need to have your material needs taken care of so you need money whether that comes from the form of being rich whether that comes from the form of toiling at a minimum wage job, whether that comes from toiling at a non-minimum wage job, um, yeah. like being a lawyer, it, um, it depends. But, but in any case, you need to work to you know, pay your bills. Yeah, definitely. But finally, the final part here is, and I think this is maybe the hardest part, um, the politics. You have, to be, you have to be a grifter. You have to be a salesperson for your art. And to combine all three, to combine, Mm -hmm. you need ability, you need to make money and probably independent of your art. And you need to have the time and energy and ability to sell your art. That's a very narrow subgroup of people who can do that. That's, um, that's not a lot of people. So um, what, uh, what is your sense of that? Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, you need like money to survive. And um, I mean, historically, like I, probably most artists have been working artists and, you know, among like writers, you know, everyone from Wallace Stevens to George Saunders to Bukowski had, were, were sort of known for um, working, working other jobs, um, uh, you know, and grinding. But I actually, I think that's great actually. And, and, this is kind of part of the reason I don't want to necessarily um, just go into academia and become like a tenure track creative writing professor or something like that. Because um, I think that really uh, isolates you from um, sort of the currents of everyday life that, that, uh, that you need in order to um, draw inspiration. Like whenever I, see a lot of and and not to sort of throw shade on anyone but um (laughs) there's a lot of sort of like what I call Xanax scene poetry where a lot of a lot of um contemporary um writers are sort of trust fund kids who are just going to these parties um and and then writing um either auto fiction or or poetry um about their experiences at these parties um Uh and 
that to me is, I think there's a place for it. I think it's fun. Um, but I, I do think there's like sort of an overproduction of it um, and a sort of overvalorization of it. Um, I, I think that, you know, and maybe this is cope, but I think that if you work like a normal job and you have to interact with people who aren't writers um, and in fact have like no interest at all in writing, um, then you're just going to have like um, uh, paradoxically a quote unquote richer experience of life. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, like, I can't imagine being just in an MFA program and writing about my life in an MFA program. Right. Because right. you you need, I think you can, and actually a creative writing professor who I will not name so he doesn't get fired <laughs> that I had in college. He, uh, no, not that he would be fired for just knowing me, but um, he, um, he said something like, you got to have a real job and you got to work a real job for like mm -hmm. 10 years and then you could start writing. Mm -hmm. And it, it definitely like, it informed my work. It informs mm -hmm. my work, like in the yeah. novel I wrote, like having worked in an office, whether as a lawyer, whether in you know, previous careers, it just, it informs, even if the novel isn't about that, mm -hmm. it informs the mind of the protagonist. And it's like, it just, it, it makes, it allows you to bring so much more to the writing because it, an MFA program, if, 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 if straight after college, and it seems like some people basically do that, like they have like a- yeah. Yeah, they have like a fake job for a year or two and then they do an MFA program. And it's like, well, you, you know, it's like an extended adolescence. And yes. so you're writing a poems or stories or whatever about being adolescent when you're actually in your like mid to late 20s. And it's like, you know, that's kind of like, okay, but like, you know, that you, you, some people want to read more than that. Some people want to read stories about, you know, people with families, people with marriages, people with, um, you know, careers and stuff like that. And, and it's just like, you're, you're not really in a position to write that if you haven't lived, a, you know, a full life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I want to read my poem, uh, Wall Street 2012. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind go of ahead. My, my experience. That's a good one. You know, just like working like a shitty temp job, but at a firm that was technically located on Wall Street. Um, this was back when I lived in New York. Um, someone DM'd me actually that reading this poem uh, sort of inflected his decision to leave a job at a conservative think tank. <laughs> that's great because that's... you know it sort of just highlighted how disaffected this entire um corporate sphere is but yeah uh, if you've uh freed someone from the shackles of uh menial white collar work then uh you're doing the lord's work yeah i'm i'm, I'm doing more i'm doing more than um any any marxist has ever <laughs> any 2022 marxist has ever done um yeah okay so this one's titled wall street 2012 Headline, Asian women out-earn white men. And you think again of summer on Wall Street, rattled 20-somethings tanned from weekends up the LIRR, mouths corked hard before three monitors, 
older doppelgangers at their shoulders, Al Pacino, Keanu Reeves. You are one receptionist of four, a temp tapping a pen, chewing a pen cap, refreshing Jezebel next to someone rapping under her breath. Of course, everyone has dreams. She, pale and bespectacled, wants to promote spectacles. Her hometown in Alaska was not suitable. The blonde plays tennis during lunch breaks, returning late. She cannot wait to marry and stay live for life. Her name is Carrie. Girl number four is Asian too, but makes one more dollar per hour than you. You forgive her because you are taller and will statistically out-earn her. Oh, that dog-eat-dog summer. Oh, that bitch you are. That summer you write jack shit. You push the tallow from your thighs instead. You squeal like a candle, lurch through Central Park for hours each day on a Trader Joe's salad. You tell mom you have enough to eat. After all, you work on Wall Street. You say nothing of Trinity Church, the gingerbread pews, and stew-whiffed graves. You comb for answers. In 2012, an unclairvoyant, you do not call New York your spiritual home yet. You are not yourself. Very good. <laughs> I, I mean, first of all, thank you for reading that for, mm -hmm. uh, for me. I, uh, I'm honored. And um, yeah, it um, it's a very poignant and, and thoughtful piece it, yeah so uh, anyway i think yeah i think writers should have jobs yeah guys <laughs> <laughs> writing is, is yeah is the point <laughs> yeah it um one thing that jumped out at me was um going to um trinity church mm -hmm. and for kind of like for answers for um yeah. what have you it um it's something that's like very, at least to me, I was in New York. I mean, I'm still in New York, but I yeah. was in New York in my early twenties. And uh, yeah, at times just like New York has many, though it's not a religious city. It has right. many churches, many beautiful churches. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of walking into St. John's the divine and uh, just kind of like at moments of, uh, I don't know, not to be uh, too grandiose, but like spiritual crisis or, or what have you. And just kind of being, uh, I, I wasn't particularly religious at the time, but uh, being, um, you know, just moved being in that environment. And so that's, it's interesting to see that other people have felt the same. You kind of have to, because, you know, you have to kind of find refuge where you can. Um you know, in the city. I, I mean, I, I live in Austin now, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, in Austin, I think the, uh, the whole, um, outdoors is your church. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I do enjoy, I do enjoy, you know, I, I think, I think Texans don't technically consider themselves part of the South, but coming from like New York and, and Boston, which is where I'm from, you know, this is, this is definitely the South to me. Um, and so there, there's like a sense in which um, this entire environment is escapist um, for me. So um, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I mean I, I could totally see that. It's 
I mean, the sun is just like more, more powerful down there, like literally like in that, uh, that kind of has an effect on like when, when I'm in LA, I always just kind of feel like, I don't know, uh, you, you have that kind of sun energy that uh, you, that you don't get on the the coasts often. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously like a devotee of the moon as opposed to the sun. Oh, that's right. Yes. We'll (laughs) mention a little bit about that because you, uh, you are like lunar coded. I'm lunar coded. Um, my middle name in Chinese is literally moon, um, which is also, you know, the symbol that I sort of use above my handle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an entire, the moon goes with like an entire ideology. And this is, this is like the only facet in which I'm kind of ideological, (laughs) you know, it, it goes with like, um, occlusion and, um, you know, being elliptical and, um, obfuscation and, um, and all of this stuff, which I think, um, is really like, uh, beautiful and sort of like erotically charged. Um, and, and yeah. And so, yeah, I'm sort I'm sort of like, um, a, a moon cell, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's interesting because I was wondering what that ca- that Chinese mm-hmm. Mandarin yeah. character meant, and yeah. now I know it's it's yeah. the moon. That's yeah. uh, that's, cool. that's very, yeah. That's great branding, right yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, you know, I don't know. I've read a lot of evidence, like both for and against the concept of nominative determinism, which is the idea that you know, you, you, it, whatever you're named, you sort of grow into um, having sort of traits. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think in my individual case, it's definitely, yeah, you know, I was sort of like nominatively determined. Moving on to, um, or moving back to the components you need to be a successful artist, obviously working is one and, you know, or if not working, having money. And so there, there is definitely a benefit to um, work in terms of informing your writing, but there is right a downside in terms of it drains you. It takes so much time. And then it's, it's difficult to find the time to do the writing afterwards and not just the writing, but the, uh, the politicking. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind of, um, I, I feel like that kind of leads into that, you know, our sort of next topic, but, um, it, 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 it is hard to, to sort of quote unquote work like a normie job um, while trying to write. Um, and, and there are, you know, the existence of like grants and fellowships and, and MFA programs, like the one that I'm in, which do give you the time to, to do that. Um, but the problem is, yeah, there is an element of, you know, you sort of have to cater to, um, what what these institutions are are looking for in order to um, take advantage of those opportunities. Absolutely. And so part of like catering to that is um, that's the politics, right? That's the like, in addition to, you know, being good at your craft, in addition to finding a way to support yourself, um, in, indeed by selling yourself to an MFA program with grants, you are taking care of to some extent supporting yourself, but also you're using that political skill that will be very necessary to sell your art to a, a wider audience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about 
using uh, politics in MFA programs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of don't anymore, but, um, um, you know, like, I, this, I, I think this is a comment that I've, I've made as an aside to you. I, 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 I think it's unbecoming for women to be right wing and it's unbecoming for men to be left wing. True. <laughs> and, 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 since, and since I'm a Agreed. woman, I don't, you know, I am, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm actually not necessarily, um, concerned, you know, with, with politics in my, in my writing at all. Um, but there are ways in which certain poems are, are coded one way or the other. Um, and I think that across sort of the range of my work, like you could cherry pick, um, like certain poems, uh, and they would be very like MFA appropriate. And then there are other ones that are like, um, uh, I mean, I can always sort of skate by because, you know, because, because I yeah. don't write anything um, explicit one way sort of or the other, but, um, but, you know, I, I, I think that like to the extent in which um, aesthetics um, are, are uh, or, or you know, aesthetics or politics are encoded um, in my work. Like, it, it, I, I've done, I've, I've, I've done everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, um, I, I mean, I because prior to the pod, I've read your, uh, your, all your work, and uh, yeah, you definitely the the work that you've put out earlier does have that kind of like, um, you know, I, I don't mean to. Um, be uh, crass or whatever, but that woke sensibility yeah. in some yeah. of your earlier writing, yeah. and uh, and that stands in really stark contrast to your more recent stuff, mm -hmm. which I would say, and um, again, I, I don't mean, uh, please don't take this the wrong way, but your more recent stuff, um, I think it's it's more um, accomplished. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's it it's better in my opinion. Mm. And, and that's not just because of the politics. I mm. think to an extent, the politics, um, uh, like when, when you're, and you know, this, maybe I'm overlaying too much onto this year, but when you're writing to perform a certain politics that will get in the way of the actual writing that will get in the way of the, the, on, the raw honesty of it. And like the stuff you've been writing recently is just very raw and honest and just very like clearly from the heart. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like you're writing based stuff. Now you're like, you're writing about love and friendship and yeah. all sorts of things, but it's like, it's, it is based in that it's not, um, you know, it's not ideological. It's, it's not, you know, paying yeah. homage to any sort of like, you know, identitarian, I am an Asian woman, this right. is an Asian woman poem. Yeah. And I, I, and, and I, and I, I agree with that. And I'll say, you know, I, I don't disparage my earlier sort of my, my earlier self either. And I, I think that a lot of people, especially in their early to mid twenties, um, you know, do sort of have to um, figure out 
um, how they sort of stand in relation to their identity um, in, in across like, you know, sort of like demographic axes, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think, I think there's a lot of value in that, to be honest, like even, you know, to, to sort of borrow another, um, um, uh, an, an, another saying from our part of uh, Twitter, you know, the, the woke is more correct than the mainstream in a way. And in, in, in that, um, <laughs> in yeah. that there, there, there is value to plumbing your own sort of um, heritage and um, for, for, for richness and um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you should, you like, there's like, and there's obviously like a way to do that, that is mm -hmm. authentic. And yeah, and, and I think that, I, I think that's what I was sort of navigating when I was, um, you know, writing, I, I, I wrote poems, like literally about um, microaggressions. Um, do uh, like we, we, I guess, do we want to read that one? Or? <laughs> sure, yeah, I can read a microaggression okay. poem just to, this is... to show. So I like I, this one too. It's um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see the progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to just to sort of show what what we're talking about here. So this poem is titled "Star Anise," which is a spice that is frequently used in Chinese cooking. Um, and let me see. Um, um, and I and I use the Chinese phrase um, "ma la" in in this in this poem, which means um, it's kind of that numbing sensation you get from Sichuan peppercorns. Okay. Um, so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling, you know, I'm just telling people that in case, so they don't have to like wonder what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so star anise. My mother with ma-la hands, each finger another spice, but she says, play nice. The way she does, do not make a fuss if they tell you first day on the job. Their wife is Chinese too. Just smile to please them. Do not cuss, just rise above. Do not share the races of your one-time significant others while their faces drop to the ground as if you are a pinch of peppercorn over the shoulder. Listen to your mother and do not make a stench, my star anise. You will understand this when you're older. So, you, 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 I mean, you see that, like, I, 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 don't, I don't even have complaints, like, from a craft perspective. I actually think that, like, I did a pretty good job. Yeah, there. no, it's, it's very good. Very, yeah, um, but, like, thematically, it is clearly utilizing, like, a lot of identitarian tropes, um, including, like, this sort of reliance on, like, cooking metaphors, which is really common in, like, contemporary, um, in the contemporary poetry world. Um, and, and stuff like that. And I don't, and I, I like that poem. Like, I, I think there's- Yeah, it, that it is good. And a good reading yeah. as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it gets to write the, metaph the metaphysics of the poem and it gets to where you're centering your, um, you know, where you're coming from. And so that, you know, it, I mean, it, it imposes a, a kind of like particular ideological perspective into the work which is, you know, maybe not, um, you know, native or, or maybe not like organically arrived at um, yourself at that point in time. I mean, I, I too, it's hard to say like what, what's organic or not, right? <laughs> but um, 
I, I did genuinely, when I was writing that, that was from the heart. That was, um, you know, I was more thin skinned and sort of sensitive sure. as a younger woman, as, as most younger women sure. are, you know? Um, whereas that kind of comment nowadays, like, you know, I, it wouldn't, is sort of even like make a, make a dent in my day at all. Um, um, and, and I'm happy to, to sort of talk about to, to yeah. sort of, uh, you know, satisfy people's curiosities or have a conversation about um, our backgrounds and stuff like that. But um, as a younger woman, it, like that kind of stuff did bother me. And so I think writing yeah. poems about that, it's, it's like valid. I really don't have a problem. I think this is the thing that, um, that, that is really important for me to say. Like, I actually think there is value in that type of poetry as like a type within a range of sort of, available, um, you know, available, um, works. Um, but that potentially, you know, like the the focus on cultivating that one specific, um, sort of metaphysic, um, in through, through institutional venues is not, is not, is not a good thing. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't, as you're saying this now, I realize I don't doubt that you organically came to those conclusions and felt that. And, you know, frankly, I mean, that any art, when you're reading it as the reader, you just want to know that the creator, the writer feels what they're Mm -hmm. feeling. And so, yeah, that makes sense that, you know, that is, um, there's a space for all sorts of art except really like the art that is like trying to wedge itself into an ideology rather than, natively felt or thought and like i think that therein lies the kind of issue like in the um you know both on the left and on the right to some extent you have um movements that seek to um prioritize uh ideological goals over artistic goals and the the most important thing is to um you know if you if the goal is to produce good art is to you know focus on that and the yeah I mean the other thing too is especially since I've been writing like persona poems like the the, the thing that I think like is really important to recognize is that the speaker is not the writer right it's oftentimes like a facet of the writer um but distorted um, in, in, in really sort of, um, extreme ways. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of read, I want to read like a more recent poem that is like arguably sort of right wing. It's a little, you know, it's a little anti-feminist. It has like this perennialist, um, sort of reference to Greek mythology and so forth. Um, but, but I want to talk about it because I, I do want to show the contrast with my earlier stuff. Absolutely. Um, this is, uh, this is more yeah, of a, so. a new right type of poem here. So I, our your listeners will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so this, this poem is titled Agency. No, I don't want to own my agency any longer. I want to short the neon sign above its door, flickering. Choose now, here. You can even leave your shoes on inside. Forget Chinese norms. No, I refuse those norms and these ones too. One can't please anyone by pondering and pondering orbs or plucking futures like apples, heavy with promise, 
Love? No, worms. Oh, I said, oh, I said, take it away to the bank officer waving the bond for my agency. It's yours now. Take it. Take me like Hades took Persephone with gifts, red dusks and red fruits. Then bridges, breaths, and oblivion. Very good. Um, you know, again, <laughs> I mean, like I'm, I'm honored to have you reading on the pod. And uh, yeah, you're, you're a very good reader. Thanks. Yeah, so, so I mean, you can see like this, this is like very, <laughs> maybe <even like laughs> diametrically opposed to the first poem that I read. Um, but, you know, is, is this a truer whatever version? I, I would not say so, you know? Am I at, like, do I, do I want my agency taken from me? Um, Sometimes to, to some extent, uh, the way that, you know, everyone sort of universally does in, um, in, in this sort of like over complex, uh, sort of overstimulated world that we all occupy. Um, so yeah, I'm writing more to like universal themes now, I would say. Um, but to the extent that there is like a metaphysics, you know, in, embedded in my work, I would say it's not consistent. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to really, I'm, I'm really trying to tap into just like the, the sort of range of like universal human experience. Yeah. I mean, this, you mentioned in the, the lead up to this, that this is a, uh, inspired by or influenced by perennialism and, um, yeah, mm -hmm. that, um, that definitely there are those kind of transcendent values here, which, you know, can be. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing about perennialism, right? That it, it can be both uh, claimed by the right and the left. So you can have the <laughs> transcendentalists claim perennialism because it's a form of universalism. It's, you know, shared universal values. But then of course you, you have a, a different perspective on it. You have the more say Duganist perspective on it where there are tr traditional values that go back to the beginning of time and tradition started at the beginning of time. And that it's not universalist, particular, particular list. Mm. It's, uh, you know, in different cultures developing, you know, uh, simultaneously, but developing their own traditions. And, um, you know, that is maybe a bit of a digression here, but I... <laughs> yeah, damn, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> but to bring it, to bring I, it back I to your poem, yeah. yeah, at the end, I, I really liked the you know, the words with gifts, red dusks and red fruits, then bridges, breaths and oblivion. And it, um, it just seemed to hint or, or get at that kind of perennial uh, truth that, um, you know, a, um, a, a person would, you know, want to be kind of won over to some, you know, some by some person by some and I mean you know, frankly this is you know male and female coded so it's a woman wanting to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know taken by a man mm -hmm. and given gifts and given what have you and then at a later juncture mm -hmm. facing uh the kind of the bridge the the oblivion and it's but it, I don't think I I you know and you can tell me if I'm wrong but um I think mm -hmm. the kind of oblivion here is not necessarily something that's bad it's more a sort of like mm. 
and ascension. Yeah, you know what, that's kind of the, you know, that's sort of ambivalence is kind of the point, right? Yeah. Um, Because yeah, there's there's a way in which um, there's a romanticism in annihilating um, oneself. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they're sort of good, good, (laughs) good and bad. Um, good and bad things um, that, that come with that. Um, but again, it's like, I hesitate ever to, um, to say that I, I am the speaker, you know, oh, like course, me yeah. Steph is the speaker. Um, because I, a lot of times when, and, and as you know, like, like you have to inhabit your character yeah. for your novel. Um, you're, you're literally taking like, some facet of yourself and you're blowing it up out of all proportion. Um, and and you're, you're just like straight up channeling it into, into this, into this vessel. Um, and and so that's kind of how I feel about the speaker there as well. Um, like, of course, of course, like she is part of me. And of course, um, I have had sort of those like (laughs) romantic longings, but, um, those are necessarily tempered by, all the other, <laughs> all the other um, personas and speakers that I've inhabited, um, as well as just sort of, uh, you know, little. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I I think the kind of interesting and important through line here, and this is something that I'm learning as we're going, is that um, you know the the important thing is that at any point when you're writing, you're writing something that is honest and true, and is not kind of like mm-hmm. trying to intentionally cater to a political or ideological end or even the the wants or needs of a specific audience and like your earlier work you know just as valid and just as well written as um as agency something that i've said is that you know i like i do see poetry as sort of like an anti-info hazard um in that we are bombarded every day with these sort of propagandist, uh, propagandistic, you know, messages. Um, and what a good poem should do is just like completely rip you out of that um, dynamic. Um, and, and all of a sudden you're just sort of present in the sensation of the moment. Um, and that is something that I, hopefully that everyone can relate to um, because on sort of like an object level, uh, people are never going to agree on anything, um, but on sort of a, you know, um, momentary sort of humanist level, like we can all sort of, we can all sort of connect. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Our listeners, many of them are yeah. writers and, you know, um, the MFA programs are, you know, perhaps not a place where their writing would thrive, maybe not a place where they would thrive. And, but it, but it is interesting. I mean, like, even for me, like I, um, you know, I've, I've thought about doing an MFA, but uh, I know that my writing would uh, get me like kicked out and, and doxxed or whatever. So I, I know that that would, I mean, an, an interesting, you know, tidbit here is that I, Back in like 2019, I was in a writing workshop, uh, one of those kind of like professionals pay to like have writing workshops in the evening with novelists. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I've yeah. been I've been so um, yeah. and one of the this was actually an early draft of my novel, Nutcranker. Uh, a woman who was reading it said something like, Well, you, you clearly can write well, but why would you choose to write something like this? And I mean, I'm like, well, you know, that's, there's, there's the problem. You know, if I took this to an MFA program, I'd have people asking me like, well, why do you want to write things that offend me? And, uh, I don't think you could get into an MFA program. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> to be honest, but yeah. But I mean, therein um, like is the interesting question. How, how does one get into an MFA program? What type of writing yeah. do you do you feel pressure to toe an ideological line? Mm. Would your fellow um, mm. MFA, uh, you know, uh, peers, do they, I mean, like, mm. I, I assume you're, you know, they don't know very much about your persona or what have you. But like, if they did, they would probably view you as on the right, I would think, even though you're not. So it, it must be an interesting place yeah. to be. Yeah, I mean, um, I, so, so yeah, I, I like, like, you know, I, I read my earlier sort of poem, Star Annis, and um, when I was applying for MFA programs, I put together a portfolio of poems, um, maybe half of which were uh, sort of along those lines. Um, and um, to be honest, I'm not really writing, uh, in that vein anymore. Um, you know, as, as we sort of saw with my, with my later stuff. Um, so I, I don't know if I could sort of get into an MFA program again today, um, uh, based off my recent work, but, Interesting. um, I, I do. Yeah. I, 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 I've said this on another pod, but I do think there is value in going through the institutional route if you can, um, because there is a lot of talent in terms of like, um, uh, most of my instructors are just like completely offline sort of um, people who were sort of trained under uh, very good poets um, you know, and that sort of training is not something that you can necessarily tap into um, <laughs> through just like, you know, shitposting on Twitter. Um, so I, I do think that if you're able to access that, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to, um, like you sort of have an obligation to. Um, but yeah. yeah, like it does, it definitely does come with certain hassles like I I have to be the teaching assistant for these like undergrad English classes um and sometimes I don't you know I don't necessarily agree with the syllabus or I don't agree with the way that certain works are taught um uh for instance there was like this I, I don't think this is like super identifying but um there was an instance where um one instructor that I worked with wanted to teach the yellow wallpaper, um, which is a I'm short story, sort of like a feminist short story. A, a really great short story. Like I, I love that one. It's like a, you know, horror sort of psychological yeah. thriller classic. Um, and she sort of made the argument that it was anti-Asian because the <laughs> wallpaper was yellow. Um, 
which at first, like you couldn't even parody this. Like, and, um, and I was just like, I literally cannot teach this. Like it would be against my sort of moral code to agree with this analysis of the story. Um, And, and the the thing is that, you know, you do have the power to elide a lot of stuff, um, especially if your work like mine is not ideological. Um, So, so I, you know, I, the stuff I don't want to talk about, I just don't talk about. And um, the stuff I do want to talk about, which is like love and friendship and um, sort of like um, perennial, like um, feminism, you know, like in, in sort of the larger sense of just like being, being a woman, being a woman and having the experiences of a woman or whatever, like those are things that, um, that I think anyone can sort of relate to. So I, I honestly haven't had too much trouble. And um, I also think that, you know, for, for as much as, um, for, for as much as, you know, I, I'm on this like sort of provocative leaning <laughs> podcast and so forth, but like, I don't, I, I don't ever say anything that I can't stand behind. Yeah. You know, like you could take an audio clip of anything that I say, you can like screen cap any tweet that I've tweeted and I am happy to stand behind it um, and, and defend it. So the work is, yeah. you know, and that's part of what I, I value in it is not political. Your work is about mm-hmm. friendship and love and nature. And like, it, it would be weird mm-hmm. to start injecting politics into stuff like that. Like, you know, there's just, mm-hmm. there's no place for it. And so, and yeah, and indeed, like if we're, we're talking about uh, that type of like, you know, career or security risk, you're like, I mean, there's nothing that you say that is really not political, which is great. It's, it's fine. It's right. like yeah yeah I yeah I remember like you know I I I was listening to um I was listening to an episode of Alex Kashuda's podcast actually where she mentioned that um I think she was talking about Owen Cyclops oh I listened to her Owen episode yeah And, and she mentioned that like his form of dissidence is just having like a different hierarchy of yeah. values than than most people do in in 2022 you you know and and that's kind of i think also my brand of of dissidence is that i i am just more interested in um emotions and 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 universal sort of um yeah um human sentiments than um than than any of this like sort of didactic uh stuff so that you know that that is another way of existing in the world yeah absolutely and i mean frankly it's like it's um very um it's a positive thing to me it's very heartening to know that people like you are teaching and that you're you know um in not imposing but you're you know delivering a curriculum that uh maybe is a, a little more uh intellectually healthy for uh <laughs> I'm trying. 
trying to keep you from getting canceled here, Steph. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you're dropping white pills, you know, maybe not no red pills, no, but you're dropping white pills. I, I, I do identify as like terminally online. That's, that's like one of, one of the, one of the ways well, that's, that I. Yeah. No, I, I mean like that's, it's very <laughs> like, yeah. If, if you're talking about like you getting canceled or whatever, like the, the, you don't do anything that would warrant that. It's just like literally having friends <laughs> on the internet. And it's just, it's this weird moment in time where it's like, you know, you're not allowed to talk to people, which is just, it's, it's so strange, but here we are. Yeah. But I think here's the thing. I, I, I think that actually, you know, I, I think a lot of this pressure not just sort of discount like larger, um, larger sort of cultural conditions, but I do think a lot of the pressure is, um, stuff that we put on ourselves. Um, you know, I, I think that like, I think, you know, I think the world would be a better place if you sort of just like reached out and, and, and talk to people that, um, that don't agree with you. And, and I, and I say this, like, you know, I, I, we can talk more about like the passage prize, for instance, but, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of, a lot of this pressure to constantly stand behind, um, a sort of didactic stance and, and, and not, um, not sort of create bridges is, um, is a little, is a little misguided or, um, at least, you know, um, uh, counterproductive yeah so. <laughs> yeah no I mean absolutely people should be talking with each other people should be sharing ideas and I mean like that's like how you know I mean which is not to say you shouldn't have like you know movements and communities that are uh, unto themselves <laughs> yeah but like the kind of siloing that's going on in our culture right now is you know it's the, the sign of a um you know, a society that is unwell, sadly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the artist has an obligation, does does she not, in a society? Or, or, or maybe she does not, but that is a question that we've talked about. And um, your uh, literary analysis, your essay on Auden, it called uh, In Praise of Limestone, published i believe in apocalypse confidential it's a very interesting essay i recommend everyone should read it it um it's essentially analyzes one of auden's poems and it um Mm -hmm. analyzes whether he uh was you know kind of elliptically referring to um the pressures put upon an artist to uh, to engage with the politics of his day and that um that's a very interesting thing because it's not it's something that like yes you will feel will feel pressure to do it Mm -hmm. and but but also can you not can you like you know you you maybe you cannot I, I can't conceive of an art that is divorced from the political sphere entirely. So, yeah. but you, you're the one who wrote yes. this. So you have uh, far more uh, in-depth ideas on it than I do. Yeah. So I don't, I don't write a lot of um, criticism, honestly, I'd, I'd, or prose in general. Um, 
I'm a really slow writer. Um, and I am also, you know, I, I'm not a theory cell. <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah. So, but this, this poem really frustrated me to the point that I wanted to read it again and again and, and try to figure out what Auden was saying. So, so I wrote an essay about this poem um, by W.H. Auden titled um, In Praise of Limestone. And I, in, in my essay, I sort of argue that he is, um, that, that entire poem is about his internal conflict over um, whether he should sort of function as a public voice or not, um, as sort of like a recognized public poet. Um, and looking at his auto, you know, um, lo- looking at his like biography, w- we, you know, we know that he really struggled with this at times. Like part of the reason that he left um, for the United States was that he um, felt pressure to, to, to write and to comment on, um, you know, the, the, the incidents of his day, you know, like the Spanish civil war. Um, um, and he kind of referred to the poems that he wrote around, um, around that as, uh, quote unquote reporters. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, um, I, I think this, this question is still salient today. Like, like on Twitter, like in the last week, you know, people were resharing that like Amanda Gorman, uh, is, uh, yeah, Gorman. Is Gorman? Amanda Gorman. Type. Yeah. Where she, she was like, yeah. like inaugural poet. And every time something happens, she like comes out with a yeah. Twitter phone <laughs> and, um, and then people just fucking like quote tweet it to death. Um, just like, what is this? <laughs> but you know, if it, if it's like, yeah, like if you serve, if you're a political poet, like this kind of her job, right? Like, I don't know how, how she's being funded. I mean, like I, I, the white house is probably like injecting money into yeah, her I'm sure. stream, but like, um, but yeah, like it, it's on its face sort of just flat. Right. Um, and I, and I don't say this because like, I I think she's in a very difficult position, honestly. Like I can't imagine being called upon to, to be a political poet, to actually write a response to, um, every sort of national incident that comes up. Like I would probably do. Well, I mean, also she's right. She's young. She's not very polished as a poet, I, I think. And as a result, you know, she's kind of in a position where, you know, it's, it's very like if, if you took many young people who, you know, I mean, maybe Keats is, you know, a counter example mm-hmm. here, but most people, young people are not very good poets, very kind of emo, very like, if I had were, you know, sharing my poetry from when I was like 17 or 20, I'm sure it would be pretty bad. So. Oh, I think oh, she's 24. Uh, so. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt here and not uh, get yeah, to, yeah, yeah, uh, right. you know, whatever. No, but, yeah. uh, but I mean, like, suffice to say, yeah. she's not really up to the task. She should not be <laughs> writing all of these responses yeah. to, you know, public events. But, you know, it's, um, it's, yeah. 
you know, it's kind of like the whole Biden and not to get too political, but the whole Biden admin, it's just kind of like, it's a fucking train wreck. And it's just like, you know, like you see Biden doing anything and it's like, Oh God, I, <laughs> what is he going to do now? <laughs> and uh, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's very hard for an artist to, you know, return from that digression. It's very hard for an artist to um, be in a position where they're, you know, they have to come up with something on the spot, as you say. Mm -hmm. But that being said, like, there, I I think Auden, at least your your analysis of what Auden was getting at is Mm -hmm. that he felt uh, kind of like, um, uncomfortable with the idea that his art was being politically consumed and being part of the body politic Mm -hmm. but that's also something like he doesn't Mm -hmm. have a choice like any art that you produce Mm -hmm. is necessarily produced in a political context so your even your poems about friendship and love you know there it exists in a political dynamic in a political thing so like you know perhaps a kind of like there's many readings you could do on that someone could do a reading on you know a, a poem about friendship and be like oh well your poem debutantes about your you and your friends frolicking under the southern sun they could say well, in this age of uh, atomization, this is hearkening back to a, a perennial, a perennialist uh, ideal or something. Yeah. And like the the politics yeah. of the day will read into your writing and it would be uh, dishonest for, I think, for most artists to say that they're not influenced by the politics of their day. Yeah, of course. And I, I, and I think to some extent that is probably like the easiest criticism um, of what I'm trying to do is that it, it's, it's just sort of, uh, you know, am I sort of just putting my head in the sand and, and being like, la, 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 <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that, you know, that that's one reading of it, Dan, but another way that you could read it is like, there, there's like a way that you can read my work is like, I'm, I'm a first generation immigrant woman of color and I'm rewriting like Greek mythology into my poems. Right. And so it's like, you, you know, like there, there's a sense in which it is it like counter colonization, <laughs> you know? Am I reclaiming like the, 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 the imperialist, you know, sort of mantle, but this is what I'm saying though. I I don't want to say that because um, I'm not that, that, that's not like a motivation for what I'm writing. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm joking. I'm joking. I I don't know. I I, I want, I want to judge (laughs) that. Um, actually but yeah like you can shoehorn any sort of political reading into um, a poem about friendship like absolutely of course you could um but is it the right thing to do I would say no is it the likely thing to happen yes (laughs) like um because unfortunately we live in such a charged environment that people are gonna try to do that but um but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm still going to insist, you know, that um, on, on sort of fighting that tendency. Um, and 
and you're doing it well. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, like you, I've mentioned this to you privately, your like past five or six poems have all been, uh, you know, as, as the kids say, bangers, they've been uh, very good and you're really on a roll here. And, um, yeah, no, it, um, I, I, I'm not sure. And even at the end of, we're not the end necessarily, but even after, you know, talking, um, I'm not sure exactly what your process is, but uh, you, you seem to be in a good place with your writing. Yeah, thanks. I'm also not sure what my <laughs> process is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do, I, I feel good about it. It's good, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you, you're on a roll, Steph, and I can't wait to read the next one, frankly. And I can't wait for, uh, yeah, Poetry Grifter to uh, once again begin strolling the, the halls of Twitter. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Um, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, it's um, thank you for coming on. Oh.